Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We have had so many texts, so many calls, so many letters, and so many emails in relation to the topic we raised yesterday about education and the education system and how much it's changed. And we, we talked about when we were young and in school and we were brought up to the front of the class, particularly in the religious order schools. I'll be honest with you, most of the emails that we got were in relation to nuns and Christian brothers. So most of it probably happened in secondary school. There was a bit of it in primary school where you were brought up and you were given six of the best. Or as people described yesterday, who were left-handed, told to sit on their left hand. And if they took their left hand, it would be whacked with a cane. Dusters thrown at you. Abuse and humiliation. The idea that nowadays we wouldn't even dream of it, but the idea at the time that we would take a child who wasn't doing particularly well on a subject or couldn't see the blackboard properly or didn't take notes quick, quick enough off the blackboard or didn't have all his homework done, and we would bring that child to the front of the class, stand them in a corner and humiliate them. Those kind of things are things we don't do anymore because we believe there's a better way of encouraging that child, of harnessing the skills and the talent of that child, which may not be in maths or may not be in English, but may not maybe in something else like woodwork or whatever it happens to be. They may be good to their hands. We also, today, we diagnose people with special needs. We send them off to a child psychologist who will diagnose them by behavioural uh, diagnosis. And we find out what it is children are needing. And when we talk about special needs, people always think about special needs as if there's something wrong with a child. And it doesn't actually mean that. And for that reason, I think the word special needs maybe is not the most appropriate word in the world. Because when a child has special needs, it doesn't mean the child is stupid. It doesn't mean the child is lacking somehow. It means that child is very good at something else, but doesn't conform to what we believe is the norm. I mean, you have children out there who have Asperger's syndrome, for example. And they're the cleverest people in the world. Some of the most famous people in the world have Asperger's syndrome. Mark Zuckerberg is one of them, one of the richest men in the world. Elon Musk also has Asperger's, the richest man in the world. So when we think of children with special needs, this idea that we can immediately write them off is so wrong because they're so gifted. And what I want to talk about in those days, of course, back in the 60s and 70s, if a child had special needs, it wasn't called special needs. He was a slow learner. She was a slow learner. They were put into a remedial class with other people who had the same problem. And therefore, they didn't thrive because what they were good at was never encouraged or never harnessed. Whereas now we don't do that. We mix children. We'll put the child who may have special needs into a regular mainstream class to bring them on and to help them to keep up with everybody else. We try our best to do that anyway. But I want to talk about when we were in school in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Most of our listeners would be in school in around that time in primary school and secondary school. I suppose mainly in secondary school the problem really started. If you were a bit older back into the 50s, I suppose, it would have been right through your schooling where you were basically humiliated and you were beaten. You were slapped with a stick. And speaking to teachers of that era, and I have spoken to them, their answer when I asked them is, why did you think it was okay, say, to take a seven-year-old up to the front of the class and slap them with a stick? It, the answer was, well, everybody else was doing it. It was of its time. And I accept that as a reason that it was of its time. But what I want to ask people today is, although a lot of people say, oh, didn't do me any harm, Noel. Didn't you know, I grew up a well-rounded person with a good education. Didn't do me any harm. But did it do you harm? Did it create a generation of people who maybe lacked self-confidence because they were told they were stupid, like some of the women who come on yesterday. They were told they were stupid. They were told they would never amount to anything. So did it, in people, maybe unconsciously, has it affected your self-confidence? Has it affected your life in any way to be told that you were stupid, to be given six of the best on a regular basis? All those kind of things. Because we talk about child abuse domestically in the homes, and that's what happened. I'm not talking about sexual abuse. I'm talking about physical abuse, obviously. Um, and how that affected people. So why didn't it not affect people in the education system? It had to have. And the number I want you to give us a call, the number is 087-188-0008. It's not really a question today. It's more about I want you to share your experience. Now, when you do come on the air, please don't mention the schools or the names of the teachers involved because some of them may be still alive. And uh, also, you know, for, for that reason as well, that we're obviously taking your word and not theirs. 
So just let us know what happened. So the number is 087-188-0008. We want to hear your experiences of school and the education system and what effect you believe it had on your life. 087-188-0008. Let me go to Paul. Paul, you're in Ireland's class of kids. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good. How you not? Good. I mean, Paul, I am blown away by the amount of emails and messages that we got after we discussed this yesterday uh, from people who've been to more or less the same situation. And they believe it's had a profound effect on their life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. What was your um, situation? Well, yeah, the thing is, I, I think by my nature, I've always tried to downplay anything because I feel like I can't own it. Because I always feel like there's someone else has been through a, a way, way worse situation. So, so I kind of that's that in itself is, you know, that's the, what it does. It conditions you to not really. Um, feel sorry for yourself yeah um, but but no I had a teacher I had you know lots of incidents along the way and where you're humiliated I think I think for me it was just simple mispronunciation of a word um, what mm. I was reading to the class being called to the top and being punched the punched to the, to the ground with a, with a fist in the ear knocked to the ground with my ear blown up like a cauliflower and then that was kind of like the start of it where and what age were you what age were you I was uh, 13 okay so um so that really kind of like, um, that would have been, the abuse would have, in a sense, was just that this particular teacher would, I suppose that in, you know, looking back and now as a grown up man, I, I can see that the, he was a, he was a depressive and he came in one day in a foul humor, he, he couldn't teach at all and he put his head on the desk or he would go off and talk about psychology and kind of like, is this a French class? You know, but because of where his mind was at. And then there was hard book copies, which is that was even more, almost worse than again. Where a couple of mistakes in your in your in, in your work meant you know an F, and you got this hard book thrown at you that would hit you in the head. Mm-hmm. And that was like your books were never handed back to you, or it was never like a okay, you, you, this is where you went wrong. And but there was never encouragement. It was just this this abuse from the top of the class, and the books fired at you. So you were terrified. It was just that uh, that sense of like uh, I'm an idiot. And I think for me, I was in a very, uh, in a high grade. So it was like almost like where I felt, I felt stupid in a high grade, as opposed to maybe I should have been, I could have felt better in if I was a mm. little of, of a bit, 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 bit more of a, or just say mediocre academics. Um, I and do you, th- do you think they were, I mean, when we look back at this mm-hmm. and we view this obviously through 2021 eyes, it's easy for us to condemn the teachers because what they did in in the sense now was very wrong but because we're looking at it through this prism of 2021 but at the time you know because I still look affectionately at my school teachers because thankfully I got a reasonably good education although in primary school I would have been slapped with a bath or whatever it was that you got slapped with and then in secondary school more so I was you know I got a good hiding every now and again in secondary school uh, by Christian brothers now, I have to be honest, I have no sympathy for them, lads. But when we go back to, the, say, the, the national schools and the primary schools, the teachers, they all use the, the ruler or the stick or whatever it was to slap you, right? Yeah. I mean, do you hold that against them now? Or do you accept that they believed as school teachers, because they would have entered the education system too, most of them were quite young, they would have entered the education system as well and been slapped as well, that that was just the way it was? Do you accept that? No, I don't. I don't accept it. I don't accept it because... Because if you were to try and find scenarios whereby uh, uh, retaliation or physical whatever is, is called for, I can think of so many situations where it was completely uncalled for. There was, you know, like I say, like as I say, the most traumatic event of my childhood is mispronouncing a word. Yeah, that was. This is about. This wasn't about uh, a, a teacher's need to correct. Uh, a child. This is this is uh, for me an awful lot of them. It was was it about power? Was it about power? I think it was frustration. They didn't. They didn't necessarily. Maybe they didn't like their lives. They had crap marriages or whatever. But, but they, I mean, I'm but, assuming there's teachers nowadays who don't like their lives or have crap marriages, but they don't do what those teachers did then. So well, what's the difference? Because, well, well, it's because, illegal. It's illegal now. Yeah, it's, it's illegal. I taught for a couple of years myself, and yeah, and apart from having compassion for the person who's having a difficulty or the kid who might have a problem at home and then he's, he's you know, bringing it out in the classroom and everything like that. I'm a, nat- a naturally compassionate person because my guidance came from my parents and not from teachers, not from brutes like this. My parents were beautiful people and as a consequence, the teacher I became 
was because I was taught compassion and understanding, and also just to just to, you know that that it wasn't going to. So what uh, when you when you were teaching, if you had a child that just wasn't getting it, and or was acting the maggot at the back of the class or yes. whatever it was, how did you deal? How did you take out your frustration? Because that is frustrating. I'm assuming as a well, teacher, obviously never never in a physical sense. Obviously, you confront the child and you try to get them to correct the behaviour. If they wouldn't correct the behaviour, they're outside of the class or else they were presented to the, the headmaster. You know. Yeah. Uh, as I say, look, it wasn't a full-on profession for me. I, 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 I do other things with my life. I'm not a, like, a, <laughs> yeah. probably if I had to do full-time teaching, it would, it would have been a frustrating situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but. Okay, so but let, let me move forward in time then. So there's no doubt you had a tough time in secondary school, okay, when you were 13 or 14 years of age, and I'm sure it got worse along the line. But do you think, because I often hear people saying about, the, we, we talk about this, and I, I had this very similar experiences to yourself, mm. particularly in secondary school. But we we then turn around and say things, or we hear lines like "Asher didn't do me any harm," you know. And you went home to your parents, and they said, "Ah, you must have done something wrong." So, do you think that has had an effect on your life, Paul, as an adult? I am. Um, it's so difficult. I mean, it's so difficult to to to, to see that. You know, you know when you see. I don't know if you've ever been to counselling. The counsellor will talk about you know therapy, whatever like that. They talk about you know we have to find the smell in the bin. Yeah. You've got a smell in the bin in the corner, but you don't know what's causing it. And that's the way I feel about about these situations in the past. I can't correlate. But here, I'm a, I'm a, I've, I've had very, very difficult uh, times in relationships, you know. Um, and, I, and I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a social being. I'm a, I get on with people. But do I, can I connect it to them? Absolutely not. Do I feel there's a connection? Absolutely, yes. I can't, I, I, I can't. I mean, because a lot of people talk about the fact that it felt affected their ability to deal with things later in life because they lacked self-confidence because they always, it brings, so for example, if your boss gives out to you in work, um, yeah. you know, and by the way, when a boss gives out to you, he should be positive in the, and criticize you, but also point out the good things about what you're doing in work too. There's also a way of dealing with, I mean, bosses, some bosses can be equally as bad as those teachers. Um, but what I'm saying is it's not their job to humiliate a person. It's their job to correct, you know, what is... Yeah. Not excellent behaviour, but but that it, when they do get a bit of a, a stripping down and work, it brings them back to that time. But they, yes. they, they don't have the ability to stand up for themselves because they always had this teacher looming over them. I suppose humiliating them. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I would say that the difficulty is is standing up for yourself. I think, um, and that's you know, there's lots of contributing factors to that. You know, I was brought up by a very soft man. My father, beautiful human being, and I, I suppose I, I picked up some of his traits and his way of walking the world. I'm not a, I'm not a cocky individual. But how much is that down is, is that to my own home, and how much is it down to teaching? I can't, I can't equate it. But all I can say is, is that that 30 years on, when I saw that teacher who knocked lumps out of me, I saw him, and I remember him looking straight in the eye, and he goes, and I just said, "Do not acknowledge me." It's in my own mind, I said, "Do not acknowledge me because I, I won't be responsible for my actions." So, Why so did you that, want to hit him? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to punch the crap out of him. If that's my honest, but I'm not. Because that's what I was thinking is I can't say categorically that if he engages with me and says something the, wrong to me that I, I, I won't say. And I don't. I didn't like that person. I didn't because that's not me. Do you understand? I don't. But, I don't you, but maybe that. maybe it wasn't him either. You, uh, yeah. I, I I'm trying to give you know the teachers of the time. The benefit of the doubt. Do you sure. understand? Because when I look back at my primary school teachers, I do look back at them affectionately. You know, yeah. and, and I do look back at, okay, they did slap me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I had three, or no, two primary school teachers. No, three primary school teachers. And, and, and they did slap me. They did bring me up to the class and give me six of the best every now and again or whatever it was that they, they did at the time. Um, you know, and you were humiliated. You were told you were stupid by times. But there were times you were encouraged as well. They were, I, I think in their heart they were good people. I, yeah. I, I, you know, because every teacher was doing it. It wasn't just them. Like, if it was just them, I would say I would completely agree with you and say they deserve sure. a good box in the head when they get older, right? I'd like to meet them now and box the head off them. But yeah. it wasn't just them. It wasn't just your teacher. It was every teacher because that was the way, I'm not saying it was they were trained to teach, but that was the way it, teaching had evolved. Yeah, I, I look. I, I, I'm, I'm no, I'm not. No, I'm not excusing the Christian brothers and the abuse, sure. and you know, and the, the, I mean, they went one step further than, than the slap on the hands. You know what I mean? I'm not excusing that behaviour or the leather that they used. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally get. I, I totally get. I mean, I, I, you know, if teachers in that environment, it was probably having looking around and it's like saying, "Oh, is this is is this the norm here?" Okay, fair enough. And I and I could totally see that. I just say, I just say, I think it's more more the point of my, me coming on is 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 trying to is trying to understand the effect it had. Yeah. Know, rather than. Yep. I get it. Rather than, rather than kind of make, being okay with it. Like, well, I, well, do me a favor. Stay there for a second because I want to go to Edie as well. Edie, are on Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Edie? Hi, Niall. How are you? You got my, my name right for once. Oh, did I? Sorry, Edie. <laughs> did I get it wrong before or something? You always call me Eddie. Uh, I didn't... <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry, Eddie. Until you hear me speaking. <laughs> I'm joking with you there now. Uh, Edie, I mean, when you were in school, what was it like? What, you, by the way, what era were you in school? Okay, so I was in school, I was born in the se- early 70s, so it was in the 80s and stuff like that. I start getting all this um, from secondary school. But even in primary school, I used to get pulled by the ears up. I remember one particular time, um, my sister had a baby girl. And I was trying to write the news. I was only like probably about seven or eight. And um, I tried to write down and I couldn't spell the word niece. I was getting the I, the E kind of mixed up. Yeah. And I remember going, asking, put my hand up and asking her. And she instead of just explaining I before E except after C, you know, that kind of yeah. um, little rhyme we used to learn. Yeah. She actually came down and grabbed me by handful of hair and the ear and tore me up and pushed me into the corner and left me standing there the entire day. So, all because I couldn't spell the word me, you know. So, that was really awful. Can you, ima- can you I, imagine if a teacher did that nowadays? They'd be in jail in a, within a week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a trainer myself now. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, that really knocked at me now, in all fairness. And then when I went into secondary school, I was always, always told I'd amount to nothing. Now, let me give you a bit of a background there. What happened was, remember years ago, I had ear problems and I'd get, uh, I got grommets in the ear. Nowadays, you're in in the morning, you're out two hours later. That's right, yeah. But them days, you were kept in for like a week or a week and a half. So what happened was, I missed my Christmas exams. And when I went back, I was top of the class. I Like the, the way the school graded things was, you're in an A class, a B class or a C, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I was in A class. I was top of the rank. I literally, if I done an A4 page essay and I made one mistake, the very last word, I tear the whole lot out and start again. Right, that's okay. the way I was. Yeah, very meticulous. I missed my Christmas exams. Went back in January and they put me from an A class down into a C class. Oh my! Now, in all fairness, I've met some of the best friends I've ever had in my life, so okay. it was brilliant. But I just said, "Well, do you know what?" F you now, and I was I just start becoming a messer. But so then they start telling me, of course, like that's that's not my confidence. I, I do, but yeah, it did. But you see that like, simple you know? decision to do that, by the way, changed the direction of your life. You know, yeah. and do, of course it would. Yeah. Well, when they start telling me, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never will. And I went, you know what? When I come out of school and I start having kids and stuff, I said, you know what? To hell with you! Like, of course I make something with my life. I've got a beautiful son, and now I'm going to actually do something with my life. So I went to college thanks to my mum funding it, went to college, and uh, this is in my 20s. And now I'm one of, a, a top IT trainer here in Ireland. Well done. And I ended up uh, with two of the trainer or the teachers, who told me that I would never... Met. They told me... They, they ended up in my class, and I ended up teaching Oh, them. man. never I tell you, there, there's a role reversal, thing. yeah. Okay, so they... <laughs> <laughs> did you tell them they'd amount to nothing, by the way? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that, do of course. That. But so, but, but, it, but do you believe that... I mean, well done to you, by the way, Edie. Well done to you. And, and you know, against the odds, you defy the odds, and obviously you came back fighting. But there are a lot of people who are... Be, who are if they were told they were stupid or told they were idiots or a mountain or Amadan was a common word at the time or yeah. they'd amount to nothing, um, that they would have took that seriously and it would have damaged their self-confidence, you know, irreparably. Absolutely. Uh, now, I fought with myself, uh, with my own emotions, with, with, well, like being told I'd amount to nothing. I could have went two ways. I could have said, ah, oh, well. Maybe, maybe they're right. You know, teachers are always right or whatever. But like going back on even a comment you said earlier on, Niall, about like, you know, you look back at them with, you know, admiration and stuff on that, you know, maybe that's just the way they did it them days. And, you mm. know, that guy was saying, oh, maybe they looked around and went, oh, well, that's how it's done here. But if you don't have that... If, say that again, sorry, you broke up again there, If you don't, what? Sorry. If you don't have that nature in you to be a right cow or a right pig to people, well, then you wouldn't do it, like, you know. Not all the teachers are like that. So I don't understand how... Well, I think a lot of them were, Edie. You know? A lot of them were. 
a lot of them were, but I did have one or two that was like through all the all the teachers. Like in primary, you have, you have one teacher, but in secondary, you have a good few. There was, there was one teacher, two teachers actually, sorry, that were absolutely brilliant and used to roll their eyes at the other teachers giving out and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. they and do you know what? They actually got more respect. They yeah. got more work done. They didn't get the people annoying them or putting chalk on the seats or writing stuff on. You know. You didn't get I mean, because I, can I point you know? out again, as I said yesterday too, that this wasn't exclusively an Irish situation, by the way. You know, certain things, the problems we've had in history were very exclusively Irish. But this happened in the UK. It happened across Europe as well. This yeah. type of education system whereby the answer, I mean, even in the top schools, as somebody mentioned yesterday, the boarding schools in the UK, like Ethan and all these places, you'd be put over somebody's knee and hit with a cane. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I, I think mean, that's just a bit more perverse, to be honest. Well, with it is a bit perverse, if you ask me. But, yeah. but in saying that, this was, it was quite common, and particularly for boys, uh, to be slapped or beaten. Um, girls humiliated, I suppose. We spoke to one yeah. girl, sent us an email there uh, last night saying that even if she put her hand up to go to the toilet, they wouldn't let her. They would rather let her pee on her own seat. And then they'd give her pants to wear, a spare pair of pants to humiliate her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. like, when you think about the type of humiliation that they did to children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it probably got better in the 80s, maybe. Maybe that's, you know. Well, it was outlawed in the mid-80s. In 1982, actually, yeah. it, was, it was outlawed. But mind you, it still happened. It was only in 1996 yeah. that they made it illegal. So. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, I just don't understand how they could actually treat treat people, other people like that. You know what I mean? So it's but just see, I, but in I, but their I always, nature to to, to yeah. be able to actually have the ability to treat somebody like that. You know. And when when I think about this, I always think about, and I'm sorry, Paul, you're still, I know you're still there as well. I think about the story that I was told the day I was in Kamenham Jail about the you know the twelve year old who stole an apple and got three years in jail, right? And, yeah. you know, of course, we look back at that and you go, Jay, you wouldn't do that nowadays. Sure, <laughs> you wouldn't even see the inside of a guard station for stealing an apple, right? But in yeah. saying that, the argument always is, sure, but that was just the way it was. Yeah, and, but that's not right, though. That's no, no, it's not right. That's behaviour, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not right. And, but that is the argument, isn't it? That, that we can't change the past. And I'm sure there are things that we do now. This very, that we're doing right now, be it in the schooling system, in the health service. I'm sure the health service is going to question in many years, by the way. But in every aspect of what we do now, that will be questioned in 50 years' time is, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I'm, Paul, well, am I wrong in thinking that? You're asking me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure in 50 years' time, they'll look back at us and they'll think, how did they do that? Why did they do that? And, you know, in 2021. I, I, you know, we're not being I, abusive to anyone, though, uh, I, Mm. I think what the thing is, like, we, we have the knowledge now. We know what we're talking about. I guess, you know, I, I watched enough documentaries, and as I say, the, the one I watched, uh, The Wisdom of Trauma, to understand is that if we educate ourselves and we know that several forms of abuse, neglect, etc., is, is, at, is at the heart of issues like addiction and, and prisoners and all these things, if we know that there's a relationship there, what we have to do is to call it out so it never happens again. And that's what I think. It's not about going, oh, oh, oh those are the times. Fair enough. Okay, it's a bit of a sad excuse. But, like, what I want to do is go back and say that that action was, was done by bastards. And that's, that's all I really want to say. It, mm, it's, no, no, I, I, I know you're passionate about it. You know, and, it's yeah. like, and it's because, I guess it's because, the reason I get so angry is because despite... The problems we faced, you and me, whatever that faced as, as children in those situations, we didn't then go off into the world and think that's that's how you rule. You know, that's how you anybody confronts you or, or you know, you, 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 you lash out. Yeah. And, 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 and this, I was talking about, you know, men who lashed out. And 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 and, and we just have to say and, and to say that the consequence of that is 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 people that just live a life then which has been interrupted. And that's and that's yeah. where okay. that's what that's what I think is going. And and ultimately, these men will they'll dig a hole and they put them in the ground. And they oh, by the way, by, by, let's, there was women too. By the way, yes, what beautiful people they yeah. were. And I, and I think that's what a tragedy to go through life and know that when they stand up to say nice things about you, they're lying. You okay, know? okay. Well, listen, I have to go to break, Paul. Thank you very much indeed, Edie. Uh, well done to you, by the way, and thank you very much for for joining in today. And well done to you and being successful in your life, even though you were told you'd amount to nothing, so you fought yeah. against the odds. So well done to you, Edie. Uh, all right, we've got to take a quick break. You can keep texting. Uh, the number is oh eight seven one double eight treble zero. 
I want to know did the education system of the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s you know until corporal punishment of course finished it was made legal in the 90s but it was kind of outlawed back in the, in the mid 80s anyway but do you believe that corporal punishment and that type of punishment that we receive particularly in secondary school and it seems particularly in the religious orders by the nuns and the Christian brothers etc etc do you believe that punishment had a profound effect on your life or or some people say it didn't do me any harm. Let me know how you feel about it. The number is 087 Hi, John. You're on Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you? Niall, how are you doing? I just uh, decided I'd bring your show here today because I've been listening to you for the last two days about this and last night. And I found it very difficult even to contemplate ringing you because it brings back really, really difficult memories to me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did ring in. I'm glad you did ring in. It's... It's just awful what has happened to children at school in the 60s and 70s and 80s because I was in school and I'm born, I'm born in 1961. Okay. So I was in the school in the mid-60s to the early 70s in national school and my life was just worse than miserable. I was constantly humiliated in school. I was constantly taught I was stupid. I was beaten on a regular basis. I was caught one day at seven years of age by the principal. He caught me by my pants and he shook me like a rag doll inside in front of 20 students mm-hmm. in, a, in, in front of another teacher. And something else I must say is it is not all teachers. We had several teachers in the school who would never, ever lay their hands on you. And it was specific teachers who picked on you, who humiliated you, we thought they had every right to do whatever they liked. And complete and utter power from the moment you stepped inside the gate of the school, they had complete and utter power over you as a child. And I remember as a child wishing I was dead oh my. most mornings before I went to school. That's, That's it's, it's, really, it's really sad that so many, so many children, we spoke to some people yesterday who gave up their education early because they were so turned off education by the way they were treated. And that's really sad that you would hate going to school. Now, don't get me wrong. I know kids don't like going to school anyway. But, but to be frightened going to school. No, I, I didn't hate going to school because I didn't like school. I hated going to school because every day was, you didn't know when it was going to be the bad day. You were treated good one day and then the next day you never knew the worst tyrant is the tyrant that treats you well for a day and maybe two days and they wait to pounce on you again. So they gaslight you, you, just gaslight you for yeah, a few days, yes. Yeah. I, I, one day in school, this is the last time I was at this teacher lady's hands on me. At 12 years of age, he, I said something to him in the classroom. He just tore my bag out in front of everybody and look at how stupid you are. And one day he hit me again and I shouted at him to hit me again. And I, he hit me again with a big measle stick. And he kept beating me. Every time he beat me with the stick, I kept saying, kick me again. And then I told him, you can kill me, but you will not kill my spirit. Mm. He took me into the other room, into the library, and he beat me to a pulp. And I pointed at him then and I said to him, you do know you will go to hell. And I don't mind dying. I was told to go home and tell my parents that evening, and I refused. I told him, you tell my parents. I won't tell them. And he said, you, you better go home. I'll beat you again tomorrow. I said, I won't tell them. You tell my parents. So the next day I went into school. He asked me, where's your father? I said, he's outside in the car. Did you tell him? I said, no, I didn't. And he stood me at the back of the classroom for the whole day. And I went home that evening. My parents. This went on for three days while I was stood in the back of the classroom because I would not tell my parents because I knew what was going to happen to me at home. My father was going to kill me because this man was considered a really good man and they're the most dangerous people on earth are the ones that are considered really good people. Mm-hmm. And this, this man went out to my father because I wouldn't do it and he was hopping mad with me. And he went out and he told my father, and I watched him telling my father. And I went out to the car knowing that I was going to get an awful hammering. And my father didn't beat me up as a child. He was a good man. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and held me in the front of the car for four miles. And he says, wait till I get you home. He said that constantly. Grabbed me by the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Farmer, big hands, strong man. 
and he got me home. He pulled me out of the car and got a stick and he beat me and beat me. And oh beat my! Me. My mother came and I was at the end of the stairs and I screamed at my father, "Kill me! I don't want to live in this hateful world anymore." And my mother begged my father because he'd never done that to any of us. She begged him to stop and asked me what happened. And I told her the story. And she said, oh, my God, I have to do something about this. First person who believed me. And, defend, and defended you. And defended and you. And defended me. Yeah. And my father was so sorry afterwards. And it breaks my heart actually, to see my father so distressed afterwards because he knew actually I was the one that was wronged, not me causing trouble. Mm. And my mother spoke to that man. But I had said to my mother, I will never, ever have anybody ever lay their hands on me ever again in my life. If anybody ever does that to me again, I will deal with them one way or the other. But the thing is, this stays with you for years and years. It does. I, I, found, I found out later, Joe, that I was dyslexic. And that was my difficulty. I was very good at maths in school, but I couldn't understand. I could, I could verbalize myself really well inside in the classroom, but I couldn't write anything down properly. I couldn't. I, I think just move the page and I didn't know why they moved. I could see words back to front and I didn't know why that was. I, I, I saw things. And this was the problem. We didn't recognize the problems that children had in school because, like you said, and like the previous caller, Paul had said, that Anita said the same thing as well, that it was a case of if you couldn't keep up or take something down off the board or do your homework properly yeah. or read your book properly, you were stupid. And yeah. and you were humiliated in front of everybody. Nowadays, of course, if you can't do that, they encourage you and they help you and they get you, yeah. if you need yeah. an SNA, they'll get you an SNA. So we try our best yeah. to help children nowadays. Yeah, but, but Joe, there, there's something much more sinister about this is they pick on the vulnerable. That's what they did back then. I watched them. I watched teachers picking on vulnerable. I watched them when I went into secondary school. It didn't happen to me. God, I took on the person in the school, uh, and he was a priest. Yeah. And he started calling me Johnny Lahey, and he wouldn't call me by my name. And I kept telling him my name was John Leahy, and I wouldn't answer to anything else, or you can call me Mr. Leahy. And he, he, he was pulling me around the classroom. I took absolutely no notice of him. But one day, he, he called me Johnny Lahey again. And I said, uh, I, I just completely ignored him. And then when he called me John Leahy, I said, yes, sir. And he said, you answer me. And I said, no, sir. I said, I'm going to tell you something now. I said, I was christened and not Christian. And, and he told me to go down to the principal. He thought, he thought he'd get me to office and trouble. Was John, can I ask you, was this the general behaviour? You, you say that not all teachers no. were involved in it. No, no, it wasn't the general behaviour. That's what I'm trying to say. But, but when, it, the, when you're saying it wasn't the general behaviour, when I see the amount of stories, the amount of people that are texting in, and the amount of people that I personally talked to about school in those days, and they all talk about teachers who would bring them up and hold them by the wrist and give them six of the best with no, a dowel or whatever it was. What I, I, I'm telling you what I saw. Yeah. It wasn't generally all teachers at all. It was a specific teacher or a specific person and they would home in on you and they'd see your vulnerabilities and they would cause somebody else to bully you. I was being set up for bullying in secondary mm. school. It was not going to happen. Yeah. I went down to the principal and I said to the principal, the very first words I said to the principal, I asked him, what's my name? And he, he said it. And I said, well, that priest has said is calling me Johnny Lahey and I don't want him to call me Johnny Lahey. He said, that will never happen again. And I said to him, if this is not sorted, I said, I'll ask both my parents to come in and explain it to him what my name is. Do me a favour, John. Stay with me for a second because I have to go to a break, unfortunately, because I, I, I love listening to your story. And I want to hear more of your story after the break and how it's affected your life. And I want to hear from more people, by the way. The number is 87 We're talking about the education system here in Ireland. And it's not just in Ireland, by the way. It was all over the world. And what was allowed to happen, I suppose, over a period of certainly 30 or 40 years, because that would be the demograph 
of, I suppose, we're still alive nowadays. Just to be in text coming in, I was born in 1973 when I went to Loretto College. My geography teacher destroyed my years at college. She picked on me and singled me out. She made fun of me every period. Uh, when she saw my fear of her, uh, she, for two whole years, would open her big black cloak like a bat wings and fly and prance all over me in front of the whole class. With daily tears and fear in my eyes, she prayed on me and sneered and laughed at me in front of everyone. I would do anything to confront her now that I'm 47. Seven years old, my teenage school years destroyed because of one bully teacher. Uh, and John, you can relate to that completely. I can absolutely. And yeah. I can relate. I, you know something, Joe? I can relate to every young person who's had help from a teacher at school and picked on in front of the classroom and purposely humiliated to, to destroy them. That's what that's the purpose, Joe. People don't realise this. The, the purpose in doing this to a young person and picking on one individual in a class, their purpose is to destroy you. But as the saying goes, what doesn't destroy you makes you stronger. And when, when, we look, when we look back, sorry, John, for interrupting, and there, yeah. are, there are people who have come on the air in the past when we talked about education and the education system during that period of corporal punishment, and they, yeah. when it was allowed, when it wasn't illegal, obviously, and, and yeah. they say, oh, it didn't do me any harm. I, I, maybe they say that unconsciously. And good for, good you, for them. No, Joe, good for them. It hasn't done them any harm. I actually would prefer to have been beaten than been destroyed, my character destroyed, a character assassination mm-hmm. almost every day in front of lads, in front of girls, and they laugh at me inside in the classroom. And some of them feeling terribly sorry and more of them afraid to talk to me because maybe they're going to be bullied by that individual teacher as well. So they isolate you in the classroom. So I I prayed many times that a man would just beat me. And when 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 you hear stories like yours and other people who have very similar stories, uh, and I have similar stories to you, John, because when I was in secondary school more so than primary school, um, I was beaten, I was grabbed by the ear, grabbed by the hair, grabbed by the locks, slapped across the face. Yeah. I've had dusters thrown at me. I was yeah. hung. Actually, the worst thing that I, I, I mentioned it last night, I was hung out of a second story window by my legs. Yeah by a Christian yeah. brother because I was pushing snow off the ledge onto pupils coming into the school. Yeah. And when you look back, I believe that it has a huge effect on people's self-confidence um, it, it, as it, adults. Joe, I... know, sorry, it's Noel. I know you keep calling me Joe. I'm very, I'm very honoured to be called Joe, but sorry about that. No, sorry. Man, it's, I, that's I, okay, I'm Joe. I'm really bad. Sorry, I'm really, really sorry for that. Joe but, was uh, Niall, sorry. Uh, I'm really, really sorry. No, that's okay. That's mistake. okay, I, I do make that. I make that mistake all the time people's names I can't remember them okay. but uh, what was I going to say yeah you know I was saying in relation to affecting people's self-confidence in their later life do you do you think it does yeah. it, it affects your confidence alright but also can make you much stronger if you get help and I'm, I've been a foster care for the last 20 years and I've had young people and I, this is what I was saying I understand what it is even today for the different types of bullying that goes on mm. and I've fostered over 80 young people over the last 20 years. Well done to you, well and done I've, to you. And I've watched all of them come from different places and different different scenarios from school and being very difficult at school and not being so very difficult at school and and very rarely given a break. Yeah. Whereas I take some of these very, very difficult lads. I had young one young lad who came from, from prison to me yeah. and he did really well and he was with me for two years and he had serious problems. But, but I look at it as an, an individual and say to myself, each individual must get a chance. Because I knew from me as a child, the only chance I got was the safety of my family. But my chances at school were very slim. But because I had some kind of structure as a child and, and felt when I went inside the gates of our place, I felt safe. It actually allowed me to be educated in a different way yeah. and an understanding of life. So I was very, very fortunate to have the parents and family I had. And other people are not as fortunate. They go home to other types of abuse and they go home to other scenarios. And I've said to young lads who come to me, you know, you can take a, pick up a stone and put it into your bag every day and carry it with you. And each day pick up another stone and put it in your bag and carry that. And I said, no day can you take that off your back. But I said, you can. And I was making this out to the problem and issues to have, you can take it off your bag and you can choose to leave it down and move on with your life. It doesn't mean you don't forget it and you don't deal with it, but it means that you, you, you deal with it 
and it doesn't and don't carry it because when you carry it and I know this for myself, it took me until I was forty to actually not carry the load and the burden of my childhood and the nightmares I had right up into my early 40s. Listen, John, it's been wonderful listening to to your story because when I say wonderful, it has brought so many memories back to so many people and a lot of people are texting in saying they can completely understand what you were talking about because they were in a very similar situation. Uh, A lot of people believe your story is obviously extremely sad and the profound effect you had in your life and they empathise with you. Um, But all I can say is thank you for sharing that with me. And a lot of people absolutely supporting you out there and listening. Somebody said, please tell that man he's a hero. And, and, I, and I think you are a bit of a hero, to be honest with you, John. You've come through, you've come through a very difficult life and you've done OK, I'm assuming, and, and you're all right now. I've done very well and I'm very happy and I, I, I love what I do. I love getting up every morning. I'm off my bike here now at the moment when I'm talking to you. And I go out the cycle for a few hours and I come back and I take yeah. care of things in the house. And life goes on. I do, I do, the reason I rang you is because I have never spoken publicly about this in my life. And I've listened to you last night and I listened to you and I listen to you all the time to be quite honest. Why I get your name wrong, I don't understand. <laughs> That's okay, John. <laughs> I, I'll accept it and I'm sure Joe is honoured as well. John, listen, I have to go into a break. I have to go into the news. Listen, thank you very much indeed uh, for sharing your story today. And I think for a lot of people listening out there, it will certainly make jog their memory as the way they were treated in school and maybe uh, the encouragement you've given people as well to move on with their lives and try and better their lives after such a bad childhood in school. Eleanor, you're an Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, Eleanor? Oh, sorry, Eleanor. I do apologise. Wrong line. There you go. Eleanor, hi. 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 Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Getting back to what we were talking about before the break and before we spoke about, uh, spoke to DePaul there about the education system, you had a really bad experience in school. Yeah. I, basically, I couldn't concentrate at school. I really, really couldn't. And, um, you know, every every report I would have said if she applied herself, she could do really well. Uh, but no one was really looking at why I was acting the idiot. <laughs> yeah. And I was shaken until I really thought my head was going to come off. Yeah. This is at junior school. I also was beaten um, by a stick. Um, you know, <laughs> a couple of teachers used to take great delight in it. Um, one day I was actually being an idiot. I was being an idiot. I was uh, dancing on a desk whilst the teacher went out. Okay. And... Um, I fell off and broke my arm, and I got thrashed for that and told how stupid I was. So you were be- you were beaten up for breaking your arm? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And told I was stupid constantly. You're an idiot. You're stupid. And, you know, all sorts of expletives like that. And, and did so, you find difficulty in staying easy and just relaxing in school and concentrating? Do you think, Eleanor, and, and if this was today... Do you think you would have been diagnosed maybe with ADHD at the time or something like that or and given more assistance and help? Well, it, it, it sort of goes on from there because, um, yeah, I mean, I I went on then to a senior school and got told I was stupid again. Mm. Um, I always did, did really well in exams. Yeah. And then um, I, I went on, I got a degree in nursing and um, I actually wanted to do medicine, but... Uh, I just didn't want to stay at school. I mean, this didn't put me in fear, I have to say, and I felt really sorry for your previous person, because um, it didn't make me angry. What it did, made, yeah. uh, sorry, a fear, it made me angry. It really made me angry. And I became more of a, a clown, if you like, at yeah. school. I made everyone laugh. Um, and then... Um, I, I was kind of like that in school, too. I was... All my reports used to say, you know, because I did well in the exams and stuff like that, right? But my yeah. reports used to always say, you know, that I need to shut up in class and I need to stop talking in class. And yeah. now I was constantly distracted. Because <laughs> yeah, I like talking, as you can yeah. tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, that was my problem. <laughs> and, and instead of, I suppose, denying me that, maybe they should have harnessed that a little bit more <laughs> because yeah. it turned out to be my chosen career. So I, I think what we do nowadays is we encourage people to, you know, to, to exploit their talents, so to speak. But in those days, what we did was we subdued people. Yes. Well, it, I mean, my son, um, he was just like me. Yeah. And I knew he wasn't stupid. And the school came to me and they said, look, and of course, they weren't into beating people up at that stage. No, of course not. <laughs> and, and they said to me, 
you know, there's an issue here. We think maybe he's dyslexic. And I thought, no, he's not dyslexic. Yeah. Certainly isn't. And they said, because, you know, if he's, if he's writing things down, he's slow. He's really slow. Yeah. But if, he's, if, if we ask a question in class, he answers immediately. So anyway, in short, they said, we'd like to get him tested. So I, I actually paid for him to see an educational psychologist. Yeah. And he came out as in the top 2% of the, the whole population, um, IQ-wise. Okay. And they said his issue, this guy, he said his issue is that his brain works too fast. So he's um, thinking ahead of what he can write. Yeah, and he, he's thinking. You know, he has, fa- yeah, he's thinking exactly. faster than that he can actually yeah. write. Yes. So they said, you know, give him a computer to do his exams, and he he his mind be like a computer. And I thought, God, this is also familiar. I'm not saying I was as intelligent as he, but I I certainly wasn't treated the, the right way. And I think this was this is the problem. You know, well you, well done to your son, by the way. And I know how that feels because I. Even if I'm into Twitter or on Facebook or whatever I'm typing, I, I'm very much like that. I think yeah. too quickly and I make so many mistakes because yeah. I because I, I, I can't type quick enough because as I'm trying to type as I'm thinking, and, yeah. and I make so a lot of mistakes. So I understand exactly what what your son is going through in that respect. Yeah. But getting back to you, do you think that the physical you know abuse that you would have got in school, um, and you know that humiliation that would have been you know given to you. Do you think that affected your life? Do you think it had any kind of effect in your life, in your self-confidence or anything like that? Well, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't think it had until I listened to your show. And I was thinking, wow, this is an epiphany moment. I'd had counselling because I went on then to, to marry a really violent man who told me I was an idiot, a, a fool, and degraded me in front of everybody. And, um, yeah, it's been a bit of an epiphany because... When I had the counselling, they said, well, why do you feel such an idiot? Why do you, why do you feel you're no good? And they were, I couldn't think of any reason why, because I had great parents. It was, it was parents. maybe just because you were being told it all the time. Yeah, because I was told this at school. But, it, you know, it's, it's uh, literally, it was an epiphany moment. Listening to and, and, and I felt I felt the same way yesterday, Mary, because, uh, you know, I've always had an issue personally with in, I, I can tend to be quite insecure by times. I can be a little bit paranoid. And I put that back probably now to what I was told in school when mm. I was told that I wouldn't amount to much and all this kind of thing. And I need to shut up in class. And, you know, and I was talked down to and humiliated. And in secondary school, I was given a good hiding every now and again. Uh, you know, if I didn't do what I was told. So I, I, I think a lot of us maybe unconsciously have brought that with us through life. Well, it's certainly, yeah, that's because that's the only reason I can think of why I was attracting people who made me feel the way I did internally, mm. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, thank you. No. <laughs> thank you, by the way, for sharing your story, because you sharing your story makes other people think about it as well. I'm glad we've kind of prompted a lot of people maybe to think about it or have a think about it. And what we decided to do, of course, is we're going to follow this up next week. And hopefully, because a lot of people are asking us today now, you know, is there support services or or that? Because we have support services, of course, for everything else. And there's no reason why the Department of Education wouldn't accept what was, what was done then was wrong, because, of course, they made it mm. illegal in the 1990s. And they wouldn't, there's no reason why they shouldn't support people who have gone through that. I'm not saying give them loads of money or anything like that, but certainly have a support service available for people to contact if they want to talk to a counsellor. I don't believe it should be a big, big problem. No, I'd agree. I, I mean, absolutely, because um, as a nurse, I've come across all sorts of people and you have to wonder why, well, I've always wondered why they became the way they are. Um, and that's good, bad, and ugly. You know, um, yeah. It's. I think it's a nurturing thing. And absolutely, I don't think anyone's born. I don't think anyone's born evil. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced of that. It's definitely nurture, not nature. Eleanor, thank you for sharing your experience, and maybe you'll get to talk to somebody again about it as well. I'm glad we've kind of prompted you to do something a little bit about that as well. Mary, you're an Ireland's classic kids. How you doing, Mary? I'm fine, thank you. Good, Mary. Well, I am now. I am now. <laughs> why, why are you fine now? Uh, because it's. It, it, so many people it's happened to that you you just don't personalize it as much anymore do you know what i mean that it wasn't just you that went through this yeah but um we had a big upheaval um in the 60s we moved to england so okay. i was quite quite young and um with a real 
thick Mayo accent. Okay. And five of five children. So there were two siblings older than me. So it was hard enough because we would be targeted by the English children. So we used to play together, the three of us, and it literally stand with each other's backs to each other, okay. the three of us. So that was bad enough, but um, the thing that was really worse was, were the nuns. The, the worst one was the headmistress. She was born in Williamstown, the same village my father was born in. And she was the cruelest of all the people I ever came across in my whole life. And when we, you remember how fragile children are and how small and vulnerable they are and how impressionable they are, that you actually think violence should be part of your life. I saw things she did to the boys in school when they were bold. Children are going to be bold. They have to they learn. Yeah. They have to learn where their parameters are. They have to learn. They keep pushing it and pushing it. And they're going to until they learn finally, this is the limit, you know. Anyway, uh, she cut their hands open with two wooden rulers on their side. And she would, she would really lash into it. Yeah. She would cane me. I don't know how many times a week I would get the cane. And I'm uh, sorry, just to interrupt you there, but for people listening, <laughs> what age were you at that time? At the time she was giving me the cane, full on, I think I was about nine or ten. Isn't that, even the image of that, now yeah, thinking about yeah. that, isn't that incredible that a nine-year-old who's only a little bit baby, as a child, is a grown woman in her whatever age she was. What age was this woman? Probably 40, 50 years of age? Yeah, well, she would seem a lot older to me, but looking yeah. back on it, she was about her mid-40s, early 50s. Yeah, a grown woman with a cane yeah. or with a ruler, yeah. the side of a ruler, would beat yeah. a, a nine-year-old child. I mean, to think about that now is bizarre. You, and you wouldn't go home and tell them. You would not go home and tell them. Because to you, you didn't... You knew you were bold, but you knew you didn't deserve that. But if you said to your mother and father that you got the cane, they would be mortified yep. that somebody taught, thought you were bold. Even though in, in the real world, that really isn't. You're not really that bold at nine or ten. You're not murdering people. You're not stealing things. You may, but you may so you, be speaking out of turn. But you have to understand the social condition. I mean, I know a lot of us might blame our parents and say, well, I went home with my mum and dad and I told them I got the cane and they got, oh, well, you must have done something to deserve that. Oh, and, yeah. and that was what parents said because they were socially conditioned as well. Oh, yeah. And, and we talked about this months ago when we talked about the mother and baby homes, about the parents who put their daughters in those homes. And oh, the God. reason they did it was because the Catholic Church told their parents yeah. they were bad girls. Yeah. And this is the same thing now, particularly with the religious orders in the schools and the lay mm. teachers. I'm not going to leave the lay teachers out of it. That, that we were told our children are bad children and they need to be punished. And the parents just went, oh, well, you know best, you know. And that's what they, because we weren't as educated, I suppose, at the time. And that's what we thought was right. It, it was, um, when I think about it, it was a, a, a very violent era. Absolutely. That people grew up in. And you, you grow up very angry because she used to cane me in front of a picture that was good enough the art teacher thought of mine mm-hmm. she put in the hall for everybody to see and her favourite place to cane me was in front of my picture to humiliate you yeah oh yeah and, and with people walking up and down she would pick a time that there was teachers walking up and down and some of the older pupils and you'd be ashamed as well as hurt physically hurt and when you and you went through a, a lot of that, I, I'm assuming. Did you, what about secondary school? Then did you go through that in secondary school as well? I was angry. I was still quite very polite because um, I was taught even at home that if you're liked, you will actually get a lot further in life. So mm. if you're a nice person and a good person, you will, you know, you will benefit from it. So it is wise to be a likable person. But as you get a little, I started the school timid. So the polite little Mary came out. Um, but the angry Mary was still inside. Um, and you'd be waiting for it to happen because you were so used to it. And if it didn't happen, you spend your day uh, full of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that was another day gone. And the days used to just go. And the, the anger would build up in you. It wouldn't disappear. So you become very rebellious. And... When you look back at your life now, yeah. I don't know what age you are, Mary. You don't ask your age. Boot ask one your age. <laughs> um, but do you think, when, when there are some people who believe it was like water off a duck's back, and that's fine for them if that's what they want to think. And uh, I'm sure some people it didn't have a profound effect on. And maybe they didn't have the, the teachers that were as bad as that because not all teachers were like that. Let's be clear about it. I don't it. think a lot of people admit it. 
Do you think it had an effect on your life now? Do you, oh, when you, when you yeah. look at your life now? Yeah, definitely. Because if it was all positive, I wouldn't remember it so vividly all the time. Yeah, I, I can remember all those instants. I can remember yeah. the slaps. I can remember, you yeah. know, hanging out the window bit that I was described earlier on. I, I can remember being grabbed by the ear or grabbed by the lock of the hair and dragged around the class. I can remember yeah. all of that. There was no respect. Mm-hmm. You, you were not another human being. You were a thing that they earned their money through. Um, and at the end of the day, they got rewarded. And you were treated like lower, a lower form of life. You didn't earn any respect at all, even for being alive. It's incredible that we thought. I know we're looking back at it now, as we mentioned earlier on, with 2021 eyes. And, of course, we wouldn't stand for that. If anybody did that to our children, we'd do time for them. Uh, but when we look back at it now, you know, at the time, it seemed almost normal. It seemed like it was almost acceptable was behavior. But it was ne- but it was yeah. never acceptable. But we, it did seem that way at the time. Because you had nowhere to go yeah. with this. Nobody was there for you. You were standing alone. The minute you left your front door in the morning, you were, you were on your own. Yeah. Against this society. That in itself is cruel. I know, you know, it's very upsetting. It's, you know, it really is. And there's so many people across the country, Mary, are listening to your story and I'm looking at the text coming in here and everybody agreeing with you and other people saying, you know, they had the same thing. Somebody else talks about being, he was in a school, national school, he was hit in the spine uh, by a teacher with his knuckles. Um, you know, and people being punched, slapped, beaten. Like I've just a litany of texts here. You'd wonder what kind of an upbringing they had mm-hmm. to be so cruel. I mean, you just said you don't believe anybody's born cruel. But they had to learn it somewhere, that it was okay to treat another human being like that. I mean, the nuns can go and eat the, the, the floorboards of the church for all I care. How dare they pretend to be reverent and then be so abusive and allow it to go on? And we, looked, their... up, we looked up at these nuns, priests, teachers, principals as pillars of the community. Well, that... some people did. Well... At the time, at the time, that's the way people believed, isn't it? They were these people yeah. were above yeah. us in some way that they were special. They were we bowed down to them all the time. The local yeah, priests, yeah, they were and, better than us. Yeah, and that they could do whatever they wanted with us. That's so so wrong, so wrong. But you carry it. I wonder what's going through their minds when they get old. Do they remember what they did to people? They destroyed some people. Yeah. I wonder what they think because I, we know I, what that's, we what I'm, that's what I'm thinking you know when, when they hit their 80 or their 90 birthday yeah. and, and maybe some of them are listening to the show today uh, do they have a conscience do they look back and regret what they did or I understand they why they did it even I hope they do because they affected so many people for, for, for the rest of their lives this is your uh, forming formative years and this is what you believe is correct violence Mary it's been lovely talking to you and thank you for sharing all that with us. And a lot of people, by the way, texting in. All right. All right, let me go to Michael. Michael, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Michael? I know. Good. How are you keeping today? Grand. Okay. Just, you, 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 yeah. and you went to a school and a nun made your life extremely difficult. Yes, I had um, a nun first, and first year and she was fantastic. And then a day teacher and the next nun then was just, she just... Just had something for me. Right, okay. Um, she would uh, never let me uh, go to the toilet, no matter how many times I ask. And what, and, what, uh, age, what age were you, Michael, at that stage? I was seven. Right, okay. Seven years of age, okay. Because yeah. I, I want people, when people hear these stories, I want them to envisage what it would be like for, like, say, their own little seven-year-old child. Because we, when we hear stories like this, we think of people who might be a little bit able to defend themselves. But these are seven-year-olds. So you were seven at the time. You'd ask to go to the yeah. toilet. And what would happen? She just refused. Like, um, if I wasn't there, yeah. there'd, be no, there'd be no comment out of her. And then you'd wet yourself. Okay. And she would drag me by the ears out to the cloakroom and literally um, just lock me in there for the whole day. But that's, that's before she would strip me. and um, She would strip want, you? Yeah. So she would take your wet clothes off you after you'd wet yourself? 
Yeah, and she'd um, go down. I don't want to go into details there, but um, she she then would um, tell me that I, I should be better off dead and then beat me about the head. That um, I'm a chronic migraine sufferer to this day because of this. It's used to really lay into the, the back of my head. And then she'd lock you in the cloakroom. She locked me in the cloakroom. These are, and for people who don't remember, these, these the cloakrooms in those days, it's probably the same as the ones that I had in school as well. They were these like metal cages, weren't they? Yeah, it was yeah. A, a, a big kind of, um, this was kind of a more of a big kind of um, locker kind yes. of place, but there was only a small, tiny bit of light coming in. Because all the coats, of course, would block the lights. Everybody's coats hanging up and everything else would block all the light too. But this went on for uh, about uh, about nearly a year. Yeah. And it was just um, every day, so I wouldn't eat or drink going to school. So I tried to stop myself from going that I ended up even at the age of 55. I have a shy bladder, so I can't go to the bathroom in public. Oh, my you know, because of it, um, one nun found me in there and brought me into the class and, and she acted like, oh, I didn't, I, we were looking for him, we didn't know where he was. You know, t- um, mm-hmm. it was another student that um, told her parents what was going on with me and she notified my mother who um, got my grandmother because my mother... Um, was was in a, a laundry, so she didn't have the confidence. Like um, my grandmother was a Palestinian, so she came down and practically dragged her one out. But then um, she talked, ignored me. Then the class, like if I wasn't there, yeah, you know that I became just invisible. But I I ended up then going into the boys' school. I got in, um, locked in syndrome where I wouldn't talk to anybody. I just stay in my own and that head. Doesn't, that doesn't surprise me that you would end up in that situation, that you'd end up feeling like that, you didn't want to speak to anybody. No, so um, that that teacher, he he, he was very good. Um, he, he sent me for assessment and I was brought to a special school with people with Asperger's and mm-hmm. all those sort of things. We were all put into this special school, all different people with learning difficulties. Yeah, and what, Michael, what year was this, by the way? This would be the early 70s because okay. I'd be 55 soon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're a little, little bit younger than me. Yeah, so, so see... So same, um, around the same time, yeah. But it was just the... How old, how old was this nun, by the way? How old was she? Oh, she would have been in her 50s that time. She she only died only only a couple of years ago. I'm sure you, didn't, the, I'm sure you the, didn't shed a tear. No, it was just the, the, the constant torture every, every day, like... Um, uh, like she just just had this pick on on me and and did she pick on anybody else in the class? No, they like a girl wet herself and it was like go on out and change herself, but she always had to come out. Well, why to, why out. why was she allowing? Uh, what I can't understand is even you mentioned that a girl wet herself as well. Why she just wouldn't let people go to the toilet? That's like that's know. like some sort of control. But other people, she would. It's just that she just had this. With me. She took a dis- dislike to people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, it was a sexual um, thing as well mm-hmm. with, with me because I was a kind of blonde boy at that time, you know. Yeah, and then and she'd uh, make you take your clothes off, obviously, and, and put you in the cloakroom. She'd, she'd make me strip and stand in, stand in there, in there, and just say, "You're disgusting. You'd be better off this." And um, oh well, I'm glad you're she, not. She Michael. actually, she actually. She actually mentioned that my grandmother was Protestant, you know, to brought that up as well. Right, okay. So, um, but it was just uh, being stuck in that dark room by myself for all, all, all that time. And what do, you, what do you say to all the people who've been texting in today and say that it had a profound effect on their life and it clearly had a very profound effect on your life, not well, just not just mentally, by the way, but physically as well, it's had an effect on well, your life. It, it did because if anybody criticised me or anything, I took it very personally. Yeah. You know, like um, like they didn't realize they'd, they'd be hurting me, and like um, it was very like I took every everything that people said very seriously, and like they could be only just joking. I know, yeah, I know, because you, you, know? Be, you became very sensitive. 
Yeah. Yeah, because, but, uh, of, because of years of being humiliated. It, it, it was just, um, I just I just felt safer not, not opening my mouth. Right. You know, just stay quiet. And, um, even with relations and that, just um, immediate family, that was it. Yeah. So I was in the special school until I was about 11. And then I went back into main school, but everybody, all my friends had gone up a few years. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, you know, she, she definitely ruined my life. And, but, um, and have you, in more recent times, Michael, have you spoken to a professional or to a counsellor? Oh, I have been to the Rape Crisis Centre okay, a few years ago, which laying out my story really helped Good. Altogether, it's, it's really. And I'm really sure, nice. I'm sure they helped you. I'm sure they had, they were great to talk to, and they they give you good they were, advice they, as well. They, they were absolutely fantastic, and it was just to have that weight off your mind. Yeah. Just gone because I always, um, I don't know that other people felt the same way that um, you felt that it was your fault. Like I know I was only seven, but yeah, you felt well, that it could you, never be your fault at seven years of yeah. age. And it's nobody's not at that age. You can never blame a child for something like that, for, for yeah. a child for bringing a beating on himself at seven years of age. That would be an outrageous thing to even suggest. Um, and to other people who went through what you went through as well, and many people did who were texting in today, you know, I mean, obviously you you got to speak to the Rape Crisis Centre and you, you've obviously taken yeah. that a bit further yourself and, that, and that's your own business, what you did in relation to that. Yeah. What advice would you give them? I, I, can, I tell them, to live their lives and be happy, just um, try and put it in your past mm-hmm. because that's that's what I, I have done. You now, the listening to other people's stories kind of brought it back to me. Of course, yeah. You know, but um, I have comfort in knowing that I wasn't the only one. Well, you certainly when weren't. It, you certainly weren't. When it, you think you were the only one because um, I don't know the other people. When you hear people getting abused in homes and that, you you think, oh, that's that's more serious, so you were less. You didn't feel like coming out talking about it, and that it happened in public schools. Yeah. You no, know, because I think we're the forgotten crowd. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Michael, and I hope your life is back on track again. I'm sorry yeah. to hear what you went through in your life. It must have been absolutely awful. And, and thank you very much for sharing your story with us today, as horrendous as it was to listen to. And to all the people, thank you very much indeed. And we will, I promise, we will get back to this. Uh, again next week and we do have to do something about it I said to Ashley so many people are, are calling in asking us do they, is there a support line that you can ring and now for those who didn't experience that you might be wondering oh for God's sake no absolutely we need it I'm not asking for the government to hand out redress or to do give a compensation to people although there's some people that maybe believe that should be the case and we could talk about that again in the future but what's needed from the Minister for Education and what's needed from the government is a support line a service that people can ring if they've been badly affected by the abuse, the physical abuse. I'm not talking about just sexual abuse, but physical abuse they received in school. They should be able to ring somebody, a counsellor, or somebody professional to talk to at no cost. There should be no cost. Now, sadly, a lot of people are saying, oh, can these uh, criminals not be brought to jail? No, because post the 1990s, before the Offences Against the Person Act was changed, it wasn't against the law to beat a child in school. Bizarre, isn't it? Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.